welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alerts podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Casey Murray. And I'm Jack Anstein. On today's episode, we'll hear from one entrepreneur involved in the UMSL Accelerate program that launched at the beginning of the year, focused on supporting underrepresented communities in St. Louis. And later, we'll look at a new trend in the bar industry, one that doesn't include alcohol. Plus, we'll have the week's headlines, digits, and other startup news you need to know. So what are we waiting for? Let's speak startup. So Casey, have you been able to stay warm given the cold weather we've had? Yes, luckily I haven't had to go out in the snow too much. But what about you? It sounds like you've been more fortunate than me. I've had to go out a few times and even got a flat tire, so had to change that in freezing weather. Oh my gosh, I don't think I could change a tire in normal weather, much less in the middle of the snow and freezing cold. How did that go? Yeah, this is like the fourth time I've changed a tire in my life, so I'm getting a lot of practice and getting faster at it, but being in the cold with numb hands was definitely not fun. Yeah, I guess at least you have some life skills to take with you. Um, But with that, let's get to the headlines. St. Louis biotech company C2N Diagnostics has launched a blood test that helps doctors diagnose Alzheimer's. The Alzheimer Drug Discovery Foundation has given the company $2.8 million over the past decade to help its research and $2.2 million last year to help advance the blood test. C2N is now looking to expand throughout St. Louis and globally. The company says its test can not only help doctors diagnose Alzheimer's, but help medicine developers create better treatments. C2N was founded in 2007 by Washington University School of Medicine doctors David Holtzman and Randall Bateman, alongside venture firm LifeTech Research. It currently has 24 employees. Compatio. An e-commerce software startup based in Springfield has raised $1.5 million in seed round funding. The round was led by Kurt Helwig, former CEO of American Dehydrated Foods. The Missouri Technology Corps also invested $250,000. The company intends to use its funds for accelerated product development and marketing. Several organizations in Kansas City have joined together to help businesses access paycheck protection funds during the pandemic a group that includes Kansas City's KC BizCare office and the Prospect Business Association, the Heartland Black Chamber of Commerce, and KC SourceLink are among those that teamed up to start the Paycheck Protection Program Prep. The goal of the program is to help erase inequalities in PPP loans funding, which have not gone as frequently to entrepreneurs of color. Those interested can receive guidance over the application and required documents. Pipeline, a Kansas City fellowship program focused on entrepreneurs in the Midwest, has announced its new cohort of founders. The group includes six Kansas City entrepreneurs, one of which is Dr. Shelley Cooper, the telehealth startup founder we spoke to last week. The cohort also includes three St. Louis founders. The 13 founders will participate in a virtual version of Pipeline's year-long fellowship. Kansas City native Michael Barrera will become the new district director for the Kansas City Office of the U.S. Small Business Administration, or SBA. Barrera is an attorney and small business advocate. He has served as president of the U.S. Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and the Greater Kansas City Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and his father was a founder of both chambers. Let's 
Let's now turn our attention to UMSL Accelerate, the University of Missouri-St. Louis's accelerator program. At the beginning of the year, it launched its Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Accelerator. I've definitely noticed an increase in efforts towards supporting and connecting underrepresented entrepreneurs since last year. What does the program provide to these businesses? The Accelerator, which started in January and runs through March, is providing six St. Louis businesses with $50,000 in non-dilutive capital and helps facilitate business connections in the St. Louis ecosystem. One goal of the program is to help provide equal access to resources in the community. Were you able to learn more about what the St. Louis startup landscape has been like for the entrepreneurs involved? Yes, I spoke with Akeem Shannon from Flipstick to find out more about his experience running a business in St. Louis, as well as participating in the UMSL Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Accelerator. Akeem Shannon from Flipstick, thank you for joining me today. Can you please start off by explaining what your business is? So Flipstick is a device that goes on the back of your phone. And one, it functions as a kickstand, so you can prop it up, watch your videos, YouTube, Netflix, all that good stuff. But two, with our synthetic CC technology, which is based off the foot of a gecko, you can essentially stick your phone to virtually any flat surface. I'm also aware that you're part of the UMSL Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Accelerator. Can you provide some more information on that? The UMSL Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Accelerator is part of UMSL Accelerate. So it's their acceleration program for you know, uh, startups in and around the St. Louis area, those moving to the St. Louis area. And the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, or DEI Accelerator, in particular is for diverse businesses in, in St. Louis. What benefits do you feel your business has gained from the experience? Um, so was, this was their inaugural class this year, their first time doing it. Uh, they, they picked six businesses uh, and gave all six $50,000 as well as a pretty intensive eight-week programming schedule where we meet twice a week. Uh, we have a mentor. We get an intern from UMSL as well. And we really just kind of like, you know, focus on what our core strengths are, what we need to improve. And UMSL does what they can to provide us with, you know, either educational materials, with connections, with resources, whatever have you, in addition to the non-dilutive $50,000 grant as well. And what's the importance of having programs that offer these opportunities to underrepresented communities in particular? So having these type of programs for, you know, Black-owned and Latinx-owned businesses uh, is huge because it, it not only does it provide the resources, everyone always wants to give you resources, information, host a class, a course, you know, everyone always wants to give you information because they're like, oh, they need information. But businesses need money to grow, right? They need money to prosper and and so this is like a great starting off point for a lot of businesses, you know, prior to raising a lot of capital, you know, giving away equity to really kind of help them either flush out their deal or take, you know, their business to the next, to the next level. What are some roadblocks from your experience that minority business owners face? Yeah, so I mean, you know, traditionally, you know, black owned businesses, like Latinx owned businesses, they, they don't receive investment from investors. Um, you know, it, it, a lot of times they're not in high tech. So, you know, most of the money is going into, you know, big tech style businesses, which is usually diverse businesses. Sometimes they are that, but oftentimes they're not. Um, and, you know, investors just, they don't see the scalability of minority owned businesses. But we know that, you know, that that's not true because we've seen so many brands come from diverse businesses that grow organically. Uh, but oftentimes it seems that the only businesses that, uh, you know, traditionally white male investors are in, that are interested in, in investing that are minority-based businesses are attached to some type of celebrity. 
right? Because then they're like, oh, well, you know, it must work because it has this person attached to it. How does this translate to the St. Louis ecosystem in particular? I feel like I found most of my success outside of St. Louis. And there was a time when I was like, man, I need to leave St. Louis because there's no opportunity here for me. You know, I would go to Atlanta, I would go to LA and I would find, you know, that's where I was getting all of my opportunities and kind of reaching that next, those next levels in business. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of just felt like I didn't know the right people here. Uh, and so once we started winning a lot of these accelerator programs, we started knowing people that know the right people. Uh, and so we were able to get more connected with people that could help and, you know, people that were willing to work with us. Um, so, you know, since that, you know, it's been a short amount of time, you know, only in several months, but in those several months, we made a lot of progress. You know, we've been connected to a lot of different organizations um, that have helped us, you know, do things from prototyping, 3D printing, help us understand our manufacturing, you know, from legal, all kinds of things. Is there anything else you'd like to add? It really is reliant on these accelerated programs and, and these opportunities to be in the rooms with people that are already connected throughout St. Louis. Because if I just, you know, prior to winning one of these accelerators, if I had to just pick up the phone and try to call one of these people, they probably wouldn't have answered. You know, they wouldn't just been like, oh, whatever. Um, and, you know, that's kind of really what you face as a, you know, minority-owned business. A lot of people don't take you seriously. So, you know, being a part of these programs is definitely a great first step in kind of changing that narrative in St. Louis and really around the country. You know, it's not just a St. Louis focus, you know, a St. Louis-based issue. Thank you for making some time to speak with me. All right, no problem. Take care. Jack, are you 21? I am. Why? Since you're of legal drinking age, would you go to a bar that didn't serve alcohol? I don't know. What makes a bar a bar if there's no alcohol? Isn't that a key part? That's what I thought. But reporter Clivia Liang spoke to Missouri entrepreneurs that are experimenting with exactly that concept. Beers and bars without alcohol. Here's Clivia with more. In 2019, Chris Marshall, the founder of Sense Bar in Austin, Texas, received a call from Annie Adonayu. That is the beginning of the Sense Bar story in Missouri. She just said, like, I'm really interested in, in what you're doing. I think it's really special. And I was like, okay, I've never, I've never been to Missouri before. Um, didn't know anything about Missouri, uh, except that it was cold. And, uh, and yeah, I, we just started talking, and the more we talked, the more it made sense to kind of um, do this. Yeah, it was it was kind of an accident. I, I I didn't pick I didn't pick Missouri. Missouri picked me. Sense Bar is a business in Austin that has the look and feel of a typical bar, with live music, happy hour deals, and a variety of beverage, but all without alcohol. Odonayu who runs Sense Bars in St. Louis, said when the business came to Missouri in 2019, it started during pop-ups, which means that they will hold events around the city. So we have an event like the Third Degree Glass Factory that was just a one-night thing. And then the next event we had was um, at like a lounge type uh, event venue in Brentwood. And then the next event we had was 
at what's called a human foosball. We also um, were the beverage caterers for um, the Transgender Remembrance Day. So it each pop-up kind of looks different um, and it's just like a one-time thing. Sense Bar is not alone in trying to build a business around a non-alcoholic spin on adult beverages. Amid reports of increased alcohol sales during the pandemic, some businesses in the state are promoting alternatives for people who don't drink. This is the sound of beer being packaged at a well-being brewing company in St. Louis. Tom Halaska, the brand alchemist of well-being brewing, said his company offers no alcoholic craft brews. Well-being brewing has similar goals to Sense Bar. People want options that are, are more than just alcoholic options. People want to have their treat, and I think that well-being definitely fits that uh, example. Also, globally, there's a, a movement of people just being a little bit more mindful about how they're consuming alcohol and what levels of alcohol are, are comfortable for them. And I think that our beer kind of fills in that void uh, for people who are trying to drink a little bit less. During the pandemic, both businesses have relied heavily on social media. O'Donoghue said SenseBar tried to capitalize on the dry January movement this year. Social media, you know, a lot of drink demonstrations, a lot of um, just engaging with them, sending emails. Um, dry January is a movement um, <clears throat> where all of January people, you know, give up alcohol. And, you know, that was a good, you know, that was an open dialogue with us. They send out sent out like a blog post to all of our followers. It got some really great feedback. So just keeping that dialogue open and, you know, reminding that we will eventually be back together. Um, we just don't know when. For Marshall, besides the pandemic, people's awareness is another roadblock to developing the no-alcoholic beverage industry in Missouri. And I really feel like that's something that is a challenge that most people don't understand you said alcohol-free bar most people don't know what that means uh, or, they, or they can't they can't imagine what that would look like halaska also faces the challenge of raising consumer awareness of his company's non-alcoholic products you know at the very beginning it, uh, three years ago it was a little difficult because we had to let people know what non-alcoholic beer is, craft alcoholic beer is. He says the flavor of non-alcoholic beers have come a long way, and that's helping grow the customer base. So years ago, non-alcoholic beer tasted really bad and everyone kind of mocked it and made fun of it. And as we came along and figured out a way to make a delicious product, uh, people have really understood and grabbed onto it. So it's not just the people who don't drink that consume our beers. It's people who do consume alcohol that are mixing us into their session, maybe every second beer, every third beer, or uh, you know, they have our beer on days where they don't want to have a beer with alcohol. So yeah, really, it's it's been really great. Marshall says Sense Bar hopes to open a physical location in St. Louis after the pandemic. But we hope to, we're working on getting the first uh, brick and mortar building uh, completed in St. Louis, uh, hopefully either the end of this year or early next year. In order to succeed, 
the non-alcoholic beverage business needs to have a concrete plan for shifting from pop-ups to a physical location. According to Jacob Horse, the founding partner of Craft Beverage Consultants. Well, we have to have something really special and we have to make sure that it's really special and that your margins are high enough and that your turnout is high enough and your, your overhead is low enough. Hall said those considerations must be made for a bar or a sense bar. What are your true goals? What are you trying to get out of this? What are you willing to lose? Like it's a real big risk assessment process in that area. O'Donoghue hopes the no-alcohol industry can thrive in the future. I do say that a lot of people are calling this a trend, and I hope that it's not a trend. In my opinion and on my team's opinion, it's a movement. And like I said, it's long overdue. I think when you call it a trend, you know, that sounds like eventually it's going to go out of style. And I hope that this never goes out of style. I hope it just gains momentum. Now let's get to the digits of the week, the numbers that matter most in Missouri entrepreneurship. My digit is $21.5 million. $21.5 million. Why's that? Arch Grants announced this week that it has raised $21.5 million in gifts and commitments as part of its Sustained Impact campaign. The campaign aims to attract and retain entrepreneurs to St. Louis in an effort to drive long-term economic development. Money raised to date will begin to be distributed this year. At least $600,000 is set to go towards Arch Grant's global startup competition. What's your digit? I've chosen 400 as my digit of the week. What's special about 400? Kansas City area tech startup Replica reported 400% growth in 2020. The startup, which spun out of Google's parent company, Alphabet, launched in 2019 with 14 employees. It now has 45. The company collects data about cities, such as employment and consumer spending, and has one-third of its staff based in the Kansas City area. Comments from the startup's founder, Nick Bowden, indicate that he thinks KC is a growing home for tech companies like Replica. That just about concludes our episode. we just seen our closing thought. Let's listen to what Akeem Shannon, founder of Flipstick, has to say about the uphill battle minority communities face in the St. Louis startup ecosystem. We can encourage people to create businesses here in St. Louis, particularly minority uh, you know, people, then we can really start to build up the city. Um, you know, I think a lot of times the reasons that we do have such a, a drain and tax on our city is that all the most talented people leave because they don't feel supported here. Uh, and so if we have the major corporations that are already successful here start to support, you know, these new uh, businesses that, that, that want to grow here, you know, then we'll see something big. That's all for this week's episode. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Jack Anstein and me, Casey Murray. Our theme music was produced by Elliot Bowman. We'll speak to you next time.